0: You've read 1 Peter before, but I just don't get it. I just don't know it because I read it and I don't apply it to my life. It's like the man who walked into the hardware store and uh, he walked into the hardware store and there was a parrot sitting on next to the register. And he walked past the register and the parrot said, Hey, mister! And he looked at the parrot and he said, What? parrot said, you're ugly and you're stupid. <laughs> and the guy, it shocked him. And he was walking around the store and he walked past the register again and the parrot said, hey mister, you're ugly and you're stupid. And it, he was shocked and he walked over to the manager and said, your parrot is calling me ugly and stupid. And the manager walked over to the parrot and he took it by its neck and picked it up and said, don't be calling these people names stuck him back on the perch. A little, little while later, the man was checking out, and, and the parrot looked at him, and he looked at the parrot, and he said, hey, mister! And he said, what? And he said, you know what? I tell you, I've read this text in First Peter chapter 2 so much, but I didn't realize what. I didn't realize what the meaning was until I looked at this issue of forgiveness. In fact, I, I remember reading an article about true forgiveness because we don't really forgive sometimes. Oh, we pay lip service say, I forgive you, but we don't. And the Lord gives us a wonderful issue here in this text to tell us how to forgive. So I want to do that by, by telling you by my introduction to this. The introduction to this is so important because how we introduce issues is very important. And I'm reminded of introducing lessons because the introduction is very important to draw you into the lesson. So unless you're drawn into 1 Peter chapter two, you won't glean the lesson that Peter's trying to communicate to us. It's like the man who was introducing the speaker one night at a banquet and he dropped his note cards so he left him on the floor, and he said, I'm just going to wing it. So he said, I want to introduce you to Mr. Smith, who made $10 million in Texas oil. Well, the speaker got up, Mr. Smith. He said, well, that isn't exactly right. It wasn't Texas, it was, it was Florida. And it wasn't oil, it was cattle. And it wasn't a $1 million, it was $10,000. And I didn't make $10,000, I lost (laughs) $10,000. How we introduce something is very important. And so when you see this text, I want you to remember what Peter was talking about because he was talking about people that were going through hard times in the dispersion when all the Jews and all the Christians were dispersed from the Roman Empire. And Caesar kicked them out because he didn't want them in his empire. And so that's what we're going to introduce ourselves to this morning when we look at this text in 1 Peter chapter two. The first thing I want to point you to, and that is the idea of what it's like to see a movie called Unforgiven. How many of you saw that movie, Unforgiven? I think it won Oscars. I think Clint Eastwood won for best director, I think. It was 90 or 92, I think. But the story goes, uh, it's a very decadent story about a man and his friend Morgan Freeman, Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman, that go into a city and this town, and eventually they cause enough problems where Gene Hackman, the sheriff, murders Morgan Freeman. Well, Clint Eastwood isn't gonna let that get by, is he? He's gonna go in town and set things right, and he does. He goes in there and takes care of all the law in that town, supposed law. Well, that story is all about vengeance. It's all about unforgiven. Do you realize how much we spend in movies in this country about vengeance? Those movies sell better than any other movies. And that's why Hollywood is set on making movies about vengeance people taking the law in their own hands. That's not God's way. Let me tell you, that's exactly the opposite of God's way. He doesn't want us to take vengeance. And so he tells us how to forgive, how to treat people that mistreat us. And I like the fact that what he's telling us is this idea of making sure, uh, this isn't working now. It was working a minute ago. Got it. It's working, thank you, Darren. Victory over unforgiving in 1 Peter chapter two. Now, has anybody ever been hurt by someone? Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt. Okay, those of you that didn't raise your hand, liars go to hell, okay? (laughs) Everybody's been hurt by somebody, it's a fact. And if you haven't, it will happen, let me tell you. You're gonna be hurt by someone. So I want you to follow along in this outline because it's gonna teach us how to overcome unforgiveness or being able to forgive for real. So if you need an outline, please raise your hand. Tom has some, he's gonna pass out here. Please raise your hand, there's some back here that need an outline, some over here that need an outline. Uh, Make sure you write these down because 1 Peter 2 is trying to teach us how to do this, it's a process. It's not easy, but it's a process that we need to learn because if we're going to submit to ourselves to Christ, then we have to learn how he forgave so that we can forgive the same way because there is a process mentioned in the Bible. So. When we think about being hurt, we oftentimes stuff unforgiveness deep down inside. And that process can really hurt us in many different ways. Do you know what happens when we stuff unforgiveness down inside of us? It eats us up, doesn't it? I mean, it's gonna hurt you financially, it's gonna hurt you emotionally, it's gonna hurt your family, it's gonna hurt the church, it's gonna hurt your soul, it's gonna hurt your Christianity. Every part of your life will be hurt because of your unforgiveness. And that's why it's one of the main points in 1 Peter, because he was talking to a group of Christians that needed to forgive people, and they weren't doing it, and he knew it. Guess what? It comes out in our face. We can see that unforgiveness will cause pain in every area of our life. So we must learn how to forgive. And that's all a part of realizing the issue of understanding this problem that was happening in the church. And Paul or Peter trying to take care of it. Okay, this isn't working either. It's a great day, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'll just take it off. I have to undress for a minute. Uh, Don't look. But Paul, Peter is telling us about the issue of unforgiveness because of the effect that it had on the early church, and he knew it was going to cause problems. It's very destructive. It'll cause all kinds of pain. And guess what? The church is going to be affected as well. So keep these issues in mind when we think about 1 Peter. It's unlike God. God wants to forgive. In fact, he tells us he'll forgive. He wants to make it an issue in our life to realize God will forgive us. He will allow it to take place in our lives where he'll forgive. And so if he forgives, then we need to forgive as well. This issue is so important that he spends this time talking about the way that it's going to affect us. Now, if we don't, we'll realize, because of that, that we're going to allow ourselves to experience this <coughs> as well. I, I want you to see something. I, I want to illustrate that. Pretend I have a microphone, okay? The illustration is that the unforgiveness of being a Christian is realizing that we are not going to be able to control ourselves as Christians if we don't control our tempers and the way that we think about other people. And so this destructive nature is going to cause us to be unlike God and not live the way he wants us to live. So if it's an issue in your life, then you need to examine your unforgiveness and find out by looking at the formula in 1 Peter 2 so that we can be forgiving people. So, as we look at this, our next item is not coming up. Ah, there we go. He says in this verse that we have to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to very authority instituted among men we have to submit ourselves we may not like it we may not get along but we have to submit ourselves he's talking about the Roman government the Roman government was ten times worse than the American government but he said you have to submit because it's gonna cause the country to run that much smoother slaves submit yourselves to your masters with all respect in verse 18 your masters with all respect even those who are harsh don't just don't just serve the ones that are good to you. Serve the ones that aren't good to you. We have to serve that way in our life. We may not agree with everything, but we have to serve and be in order in God's order. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. Did you know that God sees us when we're suffering? And he sees us when we are we are treated unfairly. He sees it and he tells us this. And Peter, Peter tells us, That when we're able to do that, God will notice. He'll see everything that we're going on in this life. And every time we're treated unjustly. So in verse 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you. So what is he telling us? Peter's saying, you were called for this. That's why you're a Christian. Because he knows that you're going to suffer and he wants us to know that he suffered. So we're in the same boat as Jesus. Jesus. So we can understand when he suffered, we can suffer. And let's face it, he suffered to a larger degree than we ever suffer. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I remember teaching us a lesson at chapel at Rochester College. And believe it or not, believe it or not, there are problems on Christian campuses between sororities. There were groups of girls that were having problems with each other and talking about one another and gossiping them and saying mean things about each other. And I didn't realize it, but I was on this very chapter. This chapter really changed my life. And I realized that a lot of people don't know how to deal with forgiveness, even on Christian campuses, in every one of our lives. In every church I've ever been in, there's someone in the church that doesn't know how to forgive someone. It might be at work, it might be at school, it might be in your neighborhood, it could be any place. But there are people that can't forgive others. And how ungodly is that? And so we're called to forgive. That's why we're here, that's why we're serving Christ because we're called to forgive people and don't treat people the way other people in the world treat other people that's the thing you know we've come into this and realizing and thinking that we don't have to forgive yes we do have to forgive in fact in verse 21 peter says jesus left you an example do you know what an example is an example is something that we need to follow if jesus was able to do that we need to do that and peter says he's your example nobody else who does our example? We want our example to be Clint Eastwood. We want our example to be The Rock. We want our example to be somebody that's going to take vengeance on other people. You see the problem with that? Is we don't know that God is going to take vengeance. Not us. It's not our job. We're not here to mete out justice on other people. We're not supposed to do that. So don't you dare try to take God's job. Don't do what he's going to do. He doesn't take kindly to people that take his job and try to take vengeance on other people. So we have to get that straight and realize God's ways are not our ways. You know, my problem is I want God to be on my timetable. I want him to meet up just on that person right now. No, he's going to do it, but he's going to do it on his time, not our time, and that's what I love about Jesus. You know, I stand, I stand in awe of two verses in the Bible, one's from Luke chapter 23, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he lifts himself up on his feet, and he licks his bloody lips, and he says, Lord send fire down to destroy these people. Does your Bible say that? Shake your head no. I can barely say the words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the Lord that I want to serve. He could have destroyed them. There's another verse in Acts chapter 7. Stephen is being stoned to death. Just about to die. He says, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. That's the kind of Christian I want to be, don't you? If we could say that to a person that's killing us, Lord, forgive them. Don't lay this sin to their charge. Those two verses will change your life. Those are the verses we need to teach our children and our grandchildren. Well, that's what Peter's trying to do. He's telling us Jesus is our example in verse 21. When are we going to get it through our heads? And then in verse 28, Peter says, he's talking about the cross now. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. I love that verse. He did not strike any people dead. He didn't destroy anybody. He didn't call fire down from heaven. He just said, this is it. I'm going to take it. You know, my second grade Bible school teacher was Sister Watson at the Flat Rock Church of Christ. And I remember remember the very room that this story took place. I was in her second grade class. And you know how they have those little chairs for little kids? And I was sitting in that class. And we were standing up, talking about things on the, on the board. And all of a sudden, we all sat down. And my best friend, Tom, sitting next to me, pulled my chair out from under me. Everybody in the class was laughing and just, oh, it was so loud. You know, even the teacher, Sister Watson, was laughing. I couldn't believe she was laughing. But everybody was laughing. I was so embarrassed. And you know what? What did Russ do? I'm going to pull Tom's chair out. The next time we stood up, we went to sit down, and Tom landed up on the floor, my best friend and everybody laughed and i laughed and i th- i can even remember what room this took place in at the flat rock church it's just vivid in my mind and sister watson looked at me and said russ vengeance is sweet isn't it and it was for about 10 seconds i'll never forget that i love sister watson she taught me a lesson She didn't scream at me or yell at me or take me to my parents. I'll never forget her. And I'll never forget that saying, vengeance is sweet. We have to think about our actions. Jesus did not retaliate. I should not have retaliated. But it sure was sweet for a minute. But later on, I was ashamed. I've never shared this with my parents. I probably should have, but I didn't. But I'm sharing it with you this morning. But Jesus didn't retaliate. And we don't need to retaliate because the Lord knows what he's... When he suffered, he made no threats. Verse 23, he lifted himself up and spoke from the cross. He spoke about the people. He spoke about what he was going through. He spoke to his father. He spoke to the thief on the cross. But he never talked about his suffering. He didn't scream out his suffering. He didn't threaten people from the cross because he knew what was going to happen. You know, one of the things that amazes me the most is if you go into the Old Testament and read about the relationship between King Saul and David. David was in the court. He was playing his harp. And what did Saul do? He picked up a spear. That's right, Lewis. And he threw it at David, didn't he? He missed him. And do you know what David did? Nothing. Nothing. Somebody said it. Nothing. He didn't throw the spear back. And I thought, isn't that a great example for us Christians? Don't throw the spear back. Don't get upset. I love that about Jesus. Jesus. We've got to hurry. We're almost done here. Instead, he entrusts himself to him who judges justly. That's exactly what we're talking about in verse 23. We have to entrust ourselves to God. He's going to take care of it on the judgment day. Don't forget that. That's what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to let God, I'm going to let my father take care of this on the judgment day. I don't have to be God. I don't have to be a judge. And in verse 23, Jesus entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Wow, that's powerful. If Jesus can trust God to take care of him, then maybe we should. Don't you think? I just love that verse, what Peter's saying. Christians give up the right to get even. That's what it comes down to. Chuck, you have to give in. Don't give in to trying to take vengeance. That's the one guy, I know he doesn't take vengeance, right? Amen? We have to give that right up. Because God will take care of it. He's going to act on our behalf. That's what faith is all about. If you really have faith in God doing it, taking care of business, that's what faith is all about. The world says someone's got to pay. We're going to pay back. We're going to take vengeance. I'm going to get even. That's not what Christians should do. That's what the world says. But that's not what we need to say. No one gets away with anything. Put that down in that outline. Nobody gets away with anything. Put that in the back there and and remember, God's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. His time is coming. His action is coming. And when we have faith enough to realize that, we'll entrust it to him. He's going to do it. That will make us feel so much better. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 14, he says, I will repay. Who do you think you are? Try pay people back. Those are words for Russ in second grade. I should have said that. (laughs) Let the Lord take care of these things. I don't think the Lord cares about that chair being pulled out from under me, do you? He has more important things on his mind, don't you? So let's trust God. Let's let him do it. Let's let him repay for us. Unforgiving, and this is what happens, unforgiving hinders our prayers, our singing, our Lord's Supper, our giving, our worship, our marriage, our life, our children. Everything is affected because of this. And not only that, but it makes our life miserable. When you have to repay somebody for something, it takes a lot of planning. And we have to get back at them. And we have to get angry. And we have to make things happen and and try to organize our lives so we can repay them. That makes our whole life miserable. That's why I wanted to think about this as we close. I want you to think about what the Lord did. Because this is what's really important when you think about this. There's a song that was written in the 90s, way back in the 1990s. Some of you were even born then by Don Henley. And uh, he wrote this song about forgiveness. He said, I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but everything changes and my friends seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if, even if you don't love me anymore, there are people in your life who've come and gone, they let you down, you know they hurt your pride, you better put it all behind you, baby, because life goes on, if you keep carrying that anger, it'll eat you up inside. I've been trying to get down to the heart of the matter, but my will gets weak and my thoughts seem to scatter. But I think it's about forgiveness. Forgiveness, even if, even if you don't love me. That's, that's where it's all at I'm telling you you know I was reading I was reading about this song because it just said so much to me about forgiveness it's, you can lay it right alongside 1 Peter chapter 2 and see forgiveness that's all that's what it's all about One Chicago youth minister, I love this. This is the kind of youth minister I want my grandkids to have. One Chicago youth minister planned a spring break mission trip for his youth group. But he was afraid they might become distracted by Florida's balmy beaches. So he fashioned a cross from two pieces of lumber, and just before they climbed on the bus, he showed it to the group. He said, I want all of you to remember the whole purpose of our going is to glorify the name of Christ to lift up the cross, the message of the cross, the emphasis of the cross, the Christ, Christ of the cross. So we're going to take this cross wherever we go. The teenagers looked uneasily at one another, but they liked and respected this young man, so they agreed to do it and promptly dragged the cross on the bus. It banged back and forth in the aisle all the way to Florida. It went with them into restaurants. It stayed overnight where they stayed overnight. It stood in the sand while they ministered on the beach. At first, lugging the cross around embarrassed the kids, but later it became a point of identification. That cross was a constant, silent remember reminder of who they were and why they had come. They eventually regarded carrying it as an honor and a privilege. The night before they went home, the youth leader handed out two nails to each of the kids. He told them that if they wanted to commit themselves to what the cross stood for, they could hammer one nail into it and keep the other one with them. One by one, the teens drove their nail into the cross. About 15 years later, one of the youth that had gone on that trip was now a stockbroker in New York. And he called the youth minister and he told him that he still keeps the nail with him in his desk drawer. Whenever he loses his sense of focus, he looks at the nail and remembers the cross on the beach in Florida. It reminds him of what it is at the core of his life. He's been called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You see, that's what it's all about. It's all about the cross, isn't it? It's all about the cross. I want to tell you, when I was delivering that message from... First Peter chapter two at Rochester College and Chapel. And I got done with the message and Jesus, I'm telling you, the Lord's word worked on their hearts. Uh, I told them, I said, when you're carrying your book bag, your backpack across campus, I want you to remember Jesus carrying the cross. And after we had a closing prayer, those two groups of sorority girls got together in front of the stage and they got together and they were praying and hugging and crying. You see? The power of the cross its powerful. The word, 1 Peter 2, is powerful. It'll work on people. That's why this morning if you're here and you need help with your forgiving, we want you to come forward. If you're having trouble forgiving somebody, we'll help you. We'll pray with you. If you've never been forgiven of your sins and you definitely need to come forward this morning and be baptized, I have them washed away and the baptistry's ready. So please come. Let's stand together in Saint Louis.